This episode of Roadcast is brought to you directly by the founders of Rogue Monkey. We're focused on bringing you the latest trends in technology and innovation and connecting bright, aspiring entrepreneurs of the future to the wealth of industry experts that can help inspire you to turn your business ideas into a reality today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of Roadcast with me, your host, Jay Ugra. Last week, we were very lucky to be joined by none other than Mr. Stuart Hare, CEO and Head of Wealth and Personal Banking for HSBC UK. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by my mentor and very dear friend, Billy Major. Hello, Billy. How are you? Good morning, Jay. I'm okay, thanks. And yourself? I'm brilliant. I'm brilliant, thank you. Much much better now I'm talking to you on this uh, this <laughs> fine Monday morning at ACM. So thanks for making the time for us. Pleasure. Um, Billy is a corporate vice president at Capgemini, a global technology firm with a strong focus on innovation to address the entire breadth of clients' opportunities in the evolving world of cloud, digital, and platforms. So Billy, maybe we can start by you telling us a little bit more about what it is that you do. Okay. So as you've already said, I'm a corporate vice president at Capgemini. I um, currently look after our biggest UK client, a public sector client, I've done that job for around three years, CEO of that particular account. Prior to that, I've been Cat Gemini since 96, actually. Um, Prior to that, I've been running accounts and looking after clients in in most of our sectors. So financial services, automotive, uh, retail. uh, And I've worked both in the UK and abroad with Cat Gemini. Uh, So, yeah, pretty pretty broad uh, coverage across most of the sectors, to be honest, Jane. Awesome. Okay. And, and, and I'm particularly interested. I don't think I've ever asked you this before, Billy, but you know, what is your, what is your why? Like, why is it you do what you do? Okay. Oh, that's a, a good question. That. So um, I guess what I do now is a natural progression from what I started doing in my early career, which, which was um, after graduating from actually the same university as you, Jay, as well, you know, uh, after graduating <laughs> from Birmingham, great place. I, um, uh, started as an IT developer and um, I've sort of developed my career uh, from there and what I really enjoy well a number of things but I got into IT I really enjoy creating solutions and looking for solutions complicated answers uh, or simple answers to complicated questions and that's what really excites me it's analyzing it's really trying to get to the nub of what a client wants so creating solutions and problem solving in its broadest sense if you like and um, Capgemini, I'm going to say this, aren't I? Because I love Capgemini. Capgemini is a great company to work for. I've always found that it's given me the latitude to, to be myself and to express myself and to be an individual. I think we, we always look to, to value the, the, the power of the individual and what that particular individual brings to, to any uh, scenario where you're problem solving. So I get to do things uh, in my role that are important to me as, as well as to Capgemini. So to answer why do I do what I do you know I like helping young people to progress um, and do a lot of work with the university and outside I also like working for a responsible business in terms of supporting the communities in, in which we work and, and in which our, our workforce you know come from and, and live I think that's important giving back to the community and also being a gentle as we can in terms of um, our environmental footprint so looking after the environment is important to me too so I guess solving problems uh, supporting the local community uh, operating 
ethically and responsibly and looking after the environment. They're the things that are important to me and they're why I do what I do because Capgemini allows me the latitude to do those things because they're important to them, to, to, you know, to Capgemini as a company and they're really important to me as an individual. So I don't know if that answers your question, Jen. I think it does. And I think probably a better question is what, you know, what things don't you get involved with, Billy? Because, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I've certainly been very close to your story, um, you know, ever since I was sort of in my, my first year, initial years at University of Birmingham, as you mentioned. Um, so, so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very clear on, on who you are and, and what you do and, and now why you do it. Um, I guess what I, what's, you know, I'm interested in some of our viewers and listeners will be interested in is, you know, what was the most difficult moment in your career and, and how did you, you know, how did you overcome it? Uh, I guess I've had quite a few difficult moments in, in my career. Um, most, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite an emotional kind of person. Um, I, I get involved in things. I've got a lot, lot of enthusiasm and well, I like to think I've got a lot of enthusiasm and passion for what I do. And so uh, for me, balancing the emotional side of a job is, is, is always a bit of a challenge. So probably the hardest decisions I've ever had to make have been around uh, people people things making redundancies um so you i mean that is particularly hard I, I i've had to do that numerous times in my career and i find that probably the most hard thing ever because you know you've got to do it for the good of the business um and you're trying to protect the jobs of the many um because it's usually in, a, in an economic downturn so you realize that you've got to protect the company you've got to protect the jobs of as many people as you can but in doing so um, you're mindful of the impact you're having on the, the the few that you've got to you know make redundant or or tell them that they've got to look for you know for, for another place to, to work and the impact that you make on their future so you know you're impacting the livelihood of the person it's very hard not to think about the impact that that has you know you, you tend to know about the individual themselves the, the families and everything and it is absolutely heartbreaking when, when you have to do it. But as ever, you're looking at to protect the business and to protect, as I say, the jobs of many. Um, so I think they're the most difficult things I've had to handle. Um, there are other difficult things. I mean, I've had some pretty scary moments with clients when, um, you know, we like to think that we're technology agnostic to an extent. And um, we, of course, we work with partners, but we like to give clients best advice. And sometimes if they're quite adamant that they want to do something, having to tell them that you don't actually agree with them or their idea is not, not really the best or actually just, just wrong and it would be better to do it in a different way or your opinion is to do it in a, in a different way. That is what we're supposed to bring, you know, independent uh, advice. We're meant to challenge clients to make sure they get the right solution for their business problems. So that can be quite difficult. Um, and I've been told by one client, you know, stop telling me that I, that, that you think I've got a, you know, or you've got a separate opinion to mine. If I hear it once more, I'll walk you off site, etc., etc. But you know, you're duty bound to do the right thing and to, to try and advise in the best way you can. So that impartial advice can sometimes be quite difficult to to deliver. Um, so I guess that they're, they're the sort of areas that I found difficult, but particularly the people side of things it is really, really hard. Yeah, no, I can only imagine the the, the difficulty of having kind of the, those kind of conversations. Uh, I think what I want to focus on today is is the theme of how to overcome barriers in business. Um, and, and I think, you know, barriers is a holistic term. There are, there are many different ways that you can, you can slice and dice this particular challenge. The question I have for you is, you know, what, what are some of the barriers in business that, you know, that you've faced and, and you believe existed? And 
perhaps you know maybe they're not as obvious all the time as well maybe they're a little bit more nuanced or a little bit more secret in terms of the way uh, people people deal with them or approach them you know well maybe you can tell me a little bit more about that yes um i guess i guess there are many barriers to business and and i see it uh, i see some of them at times when people will either usually write or or come and see me and say you know i'm finding this difficult so I guess anything that stops people developing their talent or anything that stops them contributing, um, I would consider to be a barrier. And there can be lots of ways that those things manifest themselves. So um, lack of self-awareness in people, they advertent, inadvertently will you know, either block uh, somebody, a colleague or someone who you know, works for them. Um, from doing something that would really take the business forward and really help that other person to, to develop themselves um, just small things people being talked over in meetings people disrespecting their opinion people that don't listen very well all those things can block and create barriers to people co- contributing and, and developing um, I guess a lack of confidence or a lack of trust which can stop people who feel they're being constrained from speaking out so that sort of exemplifies the previous problem or fear of repercussions if they do speak out if it's someone that's more senior that they feel is blocking them or or um you know stopping them from uh, expressing themselves or or even um, and i've seen instances of, uh, of of managers actually who just don't really understand that everybody operates differently you know we all have we're all we're all individual people some of us work better in the morning some work better in the evening and a lack of flexibility around understanding people's drivers and lack of flexibility around supporting people um, and you know appreciating that the whole person comes to work so you know they might not work well in the morning let them come in later and, and work later in the evening that flexibility is really important to get the best out of people and I see a lot of managers that just don't understand that don't take the time to understand their people and therefore try to apply you know a rigid structure you will do this at this time or you know you have lunch at this time no you can't go and do that no you can't go for a walk if you know you want to clear your head it's really old-fashioned and, and, and very inflexible and hopefully we've, we've eradicated a lot of it from our organization and from my part of the organization but I'm sure there are still pockets of it that exist and those kind of things can really really block people and as I say people will not want to come forward and tell uh, other people that could perhaps help them that they've got issues in that way because they fear the repercussions so I think they're the things that most seriously damage a business a business is best when everybody's pulling in the right direction in the same direction everybody feels that they can contribute everybody's really excited and, and enthused by the job that they do and and I fear there are lots of people that aren't for all the reasons that I've said and many more um, usually as I say other people who affect their performance by, you know, their own lack of self-awareness and lack of empathy for the other person, knowing what makes that person tick. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, Billy. Thank you. And and I particularly love what you said about the topic of um, self-awareness as well. It's a theme that's definitely come up in our previous episodes with Rajesh in episode one, Jibs in episode two, and and also Stuart in in the most recent episode as well. I do want to d- dig a little bit deeper, though, because there, there are a few things that you said which, which really resonated with me and, and, and certainly will do with some of our younger listeners. So, you know, what about some of the barriers or structures that exist 
you know, and, and Billy, we know that we're there, right? We know that they're there, um, but, but potentially are a little bit too big, maybe a bit too powerful or, or out of our kind of realms of control. Like, how do you deal with those specific instances of, uh, of barriers in business? Well, I guess you've got to try and make the people who are experiencing um, the problems with those barriers, some of which we talked about a few minutes ago, confident that there's a way that they can, or there's a route that they can find to try and help them. And then alongside, you've got to try and alleviate the barrier and, and make it go away and make it not come back. And, and I think you do that by, first of all, as a leader, making sure you're very clear what you expect from your organization. So um, we've got a, a behavioral blueprint, which uh, is, is published. It's got behaviors in it that we expect to see. It's got behaviors in it that we don't expect to see really clear black and white examples of what we do and don't expect to see so you publish what you expect from your leaders well actually from anybody in the organization but leaders can if you've got managers and leaders who aren't leading and aren't particularly behaving well towards the people that that work in their teams then that is a real problem you've got to address and we, we you know i've had these problems in the past so open culture make it clear what you expect is the first thing you need some kind of anonymized way of flushing the problem out, whether that be um, an independent um, person or body that sits on the outside that's out of the line because people will not or tend not to want to, to um, talk about you know, somebody who's more senior or somebody who they think uh, could influence their career in the future. So you need some kind of an outlet on the side of the organisation we partnered with um, a number of companies that have provided those kind of almost coaching and counselling services. They're there as an ear to listen to for somebody, but they can also help provide coaching um, for the individual to help them deal with the, the issue, with the individual concern. Um, act on things, don't turn a blind eye. So if you see something then in, in the workplace, immediately deal with it and make it very clear that that isn't acceptable. So calling out when behaviour is, is unacceptable. And you don't have to do it in an aggressive way. You don't have to do it in a, you know, in a way that, that makes somebody feel um, patronised. Or sometimes that's, you know, you do have to tell somebody quite, quite um, strictly, if you like, uh, that they that they aren't behaving well. But but sometimes it can be done in a much more gentle way. Um, and education. You've just got to keep educating people. Um, role playing, scenario playing, videos of of, of workplace scenarios that you know acted out by actors we've used where you can play something out and show individuals what is happening in your workplace you know real real life examples and uh, how you don't appreciate that kind of behavior it's not not acceptable so they're the kind of techniques that you can use and the minute you start to remove it's sort of it is bullying in the workplace the minute you start to remove some of those things um, you know talking over people not listening to people some people do it quite unconsciously. So we run, um, you will know, there's some, some series some series of um, uh, unconscious bias training. So, you know, I did, I did the training. I was quite surprised at, at my unconscious biases. Everybody has them, the biases. It's just a question of knowing which yours are and then being very mindful um, 
when you're in any situation that you're that those biases aren't coming into play and actually sharing them with others and saying look i do have this unconscious bias can you just what you know, keep your eye on me and, and pull me up if you think that i'm that i'm displaying any signs of it you know but you've got to feel that you can trust trust is really important because you're revealing something of yourself so you that whole trusting environment and and feeling that open culture is really important. So um, there are a few things I think we can do to, to make it better, to make people feel, particularly younger people, um, suffer from this quite a lot. But, you know, people in the organisation more senior or, um, you know, a, a bit more experienced in terms of their work journey uh, can be quite intimidating for, for younger people as they're starting the journey in their career. I love that, Billy. So, so I guess what I want to think about now is, you know, we spoke about self-awareness before, which is, you know, it's an intrinsic kind of mental health topic, related topic, right? There's a lot of focus on positive mental health in society today, as there should be. And I think you and I both agree, we've, we've spoken about this in the past, that organisations clearly have a, a massive role to play in helping people to achieve this. Um, so, so, you know, what are some of the things that perhaps you do, Capgemini does, but, you know, organisations more holistically can do to, to help support people on this journey? I think people need to understand, first of all, that um, the, an individual is made up of, of lots of component parts. It's not just the work element that you see. The work, the work element from, that, that you see um, is, is wrapped up with, uh, you know, lots of emotions, things that are going on in people's personal lives. People bring a lot of stuff uh, with them when they come to work and a person needs to have be given the time and, and everybody's different so everybody needs different um, types of support and different um, amounts of support but generally people need need the time for themselves um, a lot of stress is caused I think when you or an individual perceives they aren't in control of a particular situation somebody else is dictating to them so it, that can be manifest and can manifest itself in um you know somebody's either picking on them at work making jokes where they're or they feel uncomfortable that kind of stress uh, in the workplace can really uh, cause a lot of, of you know mental health problems for an individual so i think a lot of a lot of mental health stress is caused by when you, you don't feel in control either of your work or a part of your job or your life or something that you aren't in control of. So I think the most important thing to do is to have an appreciation of yourself. So the one thing you can control, you might not be in control of it um, all the time, but you can control yourself. You can't control the people. Um, we talked about some of the things you can do with education and, and making people aware of what's expected of them, but you can't control the people, but you can control yourself. So understand yourself, I would say. Work out what you're good at. Be honest with yourself. Work out what you're not good at. Work out what makes you operate well. What, work out what, you don't, what situations don't make you operate well. And spend time building up yourself. Really learn to appreciate yourself. And there's lots of ways you can do that. There are books you can read. There are um, videos you can watch. There are you know, e-learning um, exercises you can do. You can be trained as coaching. There's lots of lots of ways in which you can help improve your personal reflection uh, skills. You know, to, to, to actually work out how you reflect on yourself and how you make yourself better. It takes time, 
And sometimes it's uncomfortable because you're facing things that you aren't, aren't good at or you feel are weaknesses in yourself. But keep, keep at it and keep trying to improve yourself. The more control you have over yourself, the less people outside will be able to influence you and the less you will feel stressed um, and have mental health pressures from others. And it's usually others that cause those things. So um, that means you know, good time management because you've obviously got, you've got to do your job. Um, but you must concentrate on making yourself the best you can be and using, you know, any time you need to do that. Once you've got your a control on yourself and you know yourself, people, it's very difficult for people to, to knock that. You've got a foundation there no matter what somebody says about you. You can go back into your, your own knowledge of yourself and you can say, that's not true. That person has got a problem. It's not it's not they're not giving that to me because I know that's not true about me I know I don't do that I know I'm, I'm not like that and it gives you a strength in yourself that allows you to withstand what is coming in from outside if, if that makes sense so people can't shake those foundations um, outside of that uh, I would say you know you do need you obviously need time to develop those things make sure that you compartmentalize your time so make, find something that helps you to switch off whether that's nature whether it's a hobby whether it's being with your family whatever it is find something that just makes your mind shut off from work that's really important because the more something is important to you or becomes a big dominant part of your life the more difficult it is to get a perspective on it if something goes wrong it becomes the problem becomes exemplified it becomes sorry amplified it becomes much much bigger than it probably really is so Having that balance in your life of other things helps to give that perspective. So um, as well as building yourself up, find something else outside of work. Uh, be really jealous of the time that you spend on it because it will make you better. Don't think it's, you know, oh, I'm not spending time doing my job. It will make you better in the time that you spend doing your job. You might spend less time doing your job, but you, the time that you do spend will be more valuable because you've got a better perspective on it. You've got a better balance in your life. Um, so immerse yourself in that other thing, whatever that might be. And lastly, I'd say find someone that you can talk to, if, if possible. Find time to reflect on things and, and, and chat to somebody, whether it's somebody in your family, you know, a friend, or even an external person. I, you know, I've counselling for or counselling coach for many years, maybe three or four years, just to help me get a grip on myself. But, uh, you know, I spent my own, I wasn't Cap Gemini, I, I realised that things were getting to me at work. Work was far too big a proportion of my life and I needed to um, get get a grip on it and get a grip on myself. And I, I invested that time, I used to go every Thursday night actually for maybe four years um, and paid to get someone to help me um, understand myself better. And that gave me that, that perspective, which now it's very difficult to shape because I know I know myself a lot better. And uh, as I said to you earlier, when people start, you know, either overtly or covertly chipping away at me or trying to undermine me, I, I just, it doesn't affect me because I know, I know me a lot better than I ever used to. Yeah, that's, that's, that's brilliant, Billy. And, and we spoke about, you know, in your previous response, you spoke about the topic of unconscious bias. Um, and in some cases, you know, there are instances of conscious bias. Um, so from our, from our research, we have found several examples of female entrepreneurs struggling to access tech funding from other female investors. Um, so, so what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs seeking to access funding 
in the technology space. So, yeah, I, actually, I can believe that. And I, I've got examples myself of, of young people that actually seem to be have been blocked by the very people you thought you would think would help them. You know, other females that have, have um, you know, been successful in the careers you'd think they'd want to help. But um, sometimes it appears that they don't. So, so there's a number of places or a number of things I would, I would, um, I would, a number of things I would say and a number of places I would go. So, first of all, I would think um, about building up your own personal brand. Um, I would think about networking. You need a very strong network. Spend the time talking to people. Spend the time listening to people. Remembering what's important to people, and genuinely trying to understand. And um, and if you like, build a rapport with, with the person that you're talking to. And no, no conversation, no person contact is ever wasted. Really, it, you never ever know when that person might pop up in your life or whatever. And if you can remember things about them or you've shown an interest, people love you know love it when when you've got a personal connection. So build up your network definitely. And I would link. I would say to link yourself to. Um, other innovators or curators, um, you know, curators that 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 help with startup companies. I mean, you know, Jay, we work with uh, with a company called Early Metrics. Uh, they run many events um, that that help entrepreneurs on the way up. Uh, I think there's a series of women in tech events. Actually, um, I can send you the link to them, but um, it'll be on the Early Metrics Early Metrics or One Word dot com. It'll be on their website. I think they're called Women women tech talk or women talk tech uh series and you can see you know other female entrepreneurs there what they're doing you can hook up um you know in fact they they provide the the forum there for you to hook up with other people and and just pick people's brains learn from others so it's that networking is really important and building up your own personal brand which is quite difficult when you first start out you know work out what your your own um if you like differentiator is what you're good at where you're gonna where's your Where's your niche in the market, etc. Um, there's a number of um, uh, a number of other networks. So there's a, a network which our own IDN people. Uh, I don't know if they run it or if they support it. It's called Women in Innovation, and that's again Women in Innovation or one word .co.uk. So that's another place you can go to. Um, that's all about you know creating networks where people can share ideas, give you exposure to to other other companies. There's um, a number of organisations and, and um, ways in which bigger companies are, are reaching out to help small entrepreneurs. So in, um, uh, we ran something called the Startup Games. It's probably about a year or, two, or maybe 18 months ago. And there is a, quite a good article about, about Startup Games. I think, we, I think it, it's a series. They run quite regularly. It's um, Information Age. I'm not sure of the, the link, but... Um, I'm sure if you looked up startup games and that's that's where private companies will link out to curation companies or to in, in specific entrepreneurs themselves looking where big companies are looking for you know particular ideas or particular niches um, uh, to help them with their problem solving. So there's a few things, but I, I would definitely say personal brand, uh, network and linking up as much as you can to other innovation companies and curation services. So, Billy, just last couple of questions then. So, what are your top five tips for any young aspiring entrepreneurs? Um, I think you need to spend some time really thinking about your brand, what makes you different. 
you need to make sure that whatever it is that you're um, you understand whatever it is that you're uh, putting forward whatever it is that you, you're wanting to develop or whatever it is you're trying to sell what you know what is it that makes it different really think hard about it you may think you know but when you come to communicate something if you can't do it very succinctly and explain where it fits in the market and what the niche is then go back and try and do it again when you really understand where where you are in the market what it is you're offering then communicate it with passion it's really important that you uh, have a feel for what it is that you're selling what it is you really believe in and when you believe in something you will put put over the idea or the concept or the product or whatever it is in a very compelling way because you believe in it so it's really finding something you believe in really understanding where it fits and then talking about it with an enthusiasm with a passion people love passion people love um emotion uh people love it when you really care about something so um so that would be that would be a couple of things i would also say never give up you will find that you're going to get knocked back as you go on your journey that's that's just natural except that there's going to be lots and lots of setbacks along the way but remember that even the most successful people have been told that they they never make it you know walt disney told he'd never never ever be able to be he wasn't very creative yeah right um oprah winfrey the world's full of people that have been really successful multimillionaires that were told they were useless you know oprah winfrey was told that she, she you know she'd never make it in in television yeah right okay and there are lots and lots of examples of that so never give up always believe in yourself um always um you know try try another way there's always another way and if you believe in yourself and your product's good and you put it over with passion you'll succeed without a doubt lovely billy so i'm going to move on to our very final question of the week which is the question roulette so just as a reminder to some of our newer listeners question roulette is a surprise question that we ask our guests each week with a slightly more challenging angle. And I'm really looking forward to asking you this one, Billy, because it's, it's something that I know is close to your heart and close to mine as well. So what ammunition can you give to aspiring female entrepreneurs to help them reach the top of the career ladder? Well, I think I've, I've said what I think is the most important, and it's resilience, really. Um, it's, and it's grounded in you. I mentioned it before. You really need to have the confidence in yourself and believe in yourself. Be able to pick yourself up, because you you are going to have setbacks. There will be setbacks. That's life, um, and you've got to be able to deal with those setbacks and and don't let them put you down. Don't let anybody um, stop you from from what you believe what you believe in. And if you believe something's going to be successful, you um, you know keep trying, keep going. And you'll get there because force of will and persistence, resilience is worth, to me, is worth a lot more um, than skill in a lot of ways. So um, I used to I used to coach hockey, field hockey for many years. Um, I had to stop doing it because I got too busy at work, um, not taking my own lessons, you see. Um, but one of the things that I noticed time and time and time and time again in, in teams was the people that got to the top and, and you know played at the highest levels uh, for country um, uh, and, and regional levels weren't were very seldom the people with the best skill very seldom um, they got an you know an element of skill but they were the ones that would sit and think about how they could make themselves better 
they were the ones that would be the last on the training ground practicing things they'd be the ones that really wanted to be better and had that that desire and that will and just refused to let the people in the team that were had got more natural skill be better than them they just kept working at it they kept trying and they were the ones nearly always i can i can't think of many examples that, that, that this doesn't apply apply to it's not always in fact it's very seldom the people with the, the most natural skill set that get on it's the ones that want it the most and that make the most of the skills that they've got and are tenacious and resilient keep themselves going keep their eye on what they believe in keep their eye on what they want what their desires are and really do everything they can to try and achieve it and don't let anybody else put them down you just keep working at it and they were the ones that always made it and i think that applies in business as well uh, and applies in life so to me resilience and persistence beat lots of natural skill and ability every time so there you go. that's awesome billy i really really enjoyed talking to you this morning thank you so much for being involved in uh, in rowcast and and from me and all of our listeners as well as the rogue monkey team thank you very much and uh, have yourself a lovely week pleasure jay good to talk to you you take care see you soon as always thank you very much to our guest on today's show if you want to find out more about disruptive innovation or rogue monkey you can follow us on instagram via rogue monkey hq or search for our page on linkedin until then be bold be brave be a rogue monkey <laughs> <laughs>